1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give our show a five star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated Fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston Hockey Prizes and monthly Boston Bruins. Hand signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. <laughs>
2: Short-handed. Ray Morris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three hundred and nineteen of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you uh, listening or watching, however you're consuming us. We appreciate you making us part of your day. As always, Mark Allred is in the house. Everything Black and Gold. I am your host, Steve Forney. What a week it's been! It has just been uh, one of those one of those banana weeks. That, uh, as a hockey fan, as a Bruins fan, you absolutely love. I was doing cartwheels last week after the uh, trade, which we're going to get uh, into as well. Um, and then a, a, just a, a wild, fantastic night last night uh, as well for uh, Linus Olmark getting his first goal. So we're going to touch on all those things, Mark. Uh, how you been? Nice to see you back in the home studio today.
1: Yes. Yeah. Good to be back home, but bittersweet. I, I do miss uh, Providence. I'm a big fan of that city and, and covering the Providence Bruins down there. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, another exciting week of Boston Bruins hockey as the, the season starts to wind down. We're, we're at that pivotal point of the year when this Boston Bruins team is starting to get ready for postseason talk. And, and we, we got a trade we talked about. We're going to talk about we got a ton of news that we got to go through. Uh, the agenda is full, my man. So uh, lead us lead us through. Hopefully your week has uh, been good as well. Uh, welcome back home from uh, from Disney. I, I heard you got back on Thursday and. And. You know, I hope you uh, had good travels and and, a fun time at at the uh, at the wild place where kids can be a kid. Uh, You know,
2: it's it's it was great. Um, The kids were happy. It was an absolute home run. Um, I I know there's like a lot of adults that are like super Disney and they're like they go all the time. And like, I get it because it's so cool and magical. But like, can you just get out of our way? Like, do you have to come during february break like when you're waiting to meet a disney princess and there's a group of grown adults waiting in line ahead of you it's like now like you gotta come now so like i get it that people love the magic of disney world even as grown adults i mean i had a yeah. great time too but like move yeah time like, get appropriately out- please get out, of that. get out of the way please but uh no it was great kids had fun um no issues traveling uh 80 degrees and sunny every day and then you come back to this wintry mix of crap that we got here so <laughs> exactly. um, but this also marks the end of my school vacation so that's I'm a little depressed i gotta go back to work now but it is what it is um mark we do have uh, a, a quick little shout out congratulations we have to give to one of our own or a former one of our own mark why don't you uh tell us
1: what's going on with gail yeah, um, Gail Triani, uh, a fantastic person. She's just a, an amazing woman, uh, a very, very hard worker. Um, And I want to give her a shout out uh, because of her hard work here at B&G. Um, she came to us uh, wanting to get back into journalism. She went to um, uh, Northeastern. She covered uh, a lot of topics in, in sports at the Lowell Sun. And, um, you know, took a break to have a family, which is very respectful. And but the kids had grown and so on. She got the itch again and she came uh, to us and um, and we accepted her with open arms because she just had um, some amazing credentials. The resume was awesome and so on. And I just I just thought it was a, a home run to get her aboard. But what, what she did when she got here was amazing. And I really wish that all 30 of our writers um, had this motivation and drive because, it's a great stepping stone for for younger uh, journalism, um, people that want to get into sports. Um, this is a great place to start. It's like a farm system here. And then we, you know, we move, we advance people up. I mean, Patrick Donnelly went to NHL.com. Lauren Campbell went to Nessun. And now I have to say that our own Gail Triani has moved on and she accepted a job with Nessun. So congratulations to Gail. And um, Nessun's going to have a a fantastic person aboard their staff, somebody that's just uh, driven and motivated. And, um, you know, she's, it's going to be a lot on her plate because she's going to be covering all four major sports in Boston now, not just the Bruins, but, um, you know, good on her, you know, to, to advance that. And I love that. I love going through the training process and, 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 you know, fine tuning some skills. And then all of a sudden, you know, our website is being used for writers like Gail to advance their careers. So congratulations to Gail. And, and you know, this one's tough for me because I really thought that she was going to be a, a huge stepping stone here for us advancing even further into, uh, you know, the sports media company uh, ism and so on. But um, now I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud and I know that she's uh, stoked about the opportunity. So, Gail, love you. I'm going to miss you.
2: Yeah, bittersweet is right, and you know we talk about this is a great place to to write. Um, and if you're sitting on your couch and, like I say this all the time, and you you just you love hockey and you, you write down some notes in your phone about the games and you turn that into articles. Uh, you don't need to go to the Newhouse School of Journalism at Syracuse uh, to work in this industry anymore. It's not 1996 anymore. So um, you're right, Mark. It's 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 bittersweet because you lose her, but. Um, You know, here are our people that are putting in the time and effort. And I mean, that's a big thing, too. I think her all the work she did with the NHL alumni, um, you know, that that's big. And that's not that happens because she had the motivation to do it. She had the want, the drive, uh, the motivation to do it. Uh, it was a big move for her. I think maybe that event and that coverage really helped put herself, you know, in 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 the light of companies like Nesson. And bang, before you know it, um, she's off. So you're right. It, it sucks for us, but it's great for her. And quite frankly, it's a good reflection on us. It's a good reflection yep. on you, Mark. It's a good reflection on what what you're doing here, um, what the writers are doing here, what everyone's doing here at Black and Gold. So uh, tip of the hat to you for, uh, again, turning this, this company not
1: only into an information machine, but a farm system as well, like you mentioned. Um, that's yep. awesome. And I I do want to mention one thing that with the departure of Gail opens up an opportunity because Gail was one of the ones that took the puck up the ice in this partnership with the Bruins alumni. And unfortunately, she's got to step back from this. But now this opens the door for somebody else. If anybody else in the New England area has the availability to travel um, either to one or two or three games a year, but... If you're able to cover the games I know they're streamed now a lot of them are being streamed and so on but you still want to add some something about the Bruins alumni um please get in touch with me black and gold productions llc at gmail.com um and and join our team in that aspect because we'd love to have a a passionate replacement uh for Gail I know those, those shoes are going to be very you know big to fill but still we want to we want to keep this partnership going with the with um so many great people on the boston Bruins alumni yeah. Well, that's awesome.
2: Good luck, yeah. We're going to miss you around these parts, and don't be a stranger. You can still call us and uh and give us some some questions or some hot takes. And of course, all of our listeners can as well our our listener hotline number is 978-504-2727. We do have two voicemails that uh, we'll get to as well later on in the show. And of course, as always, our shows are powered by betonline.ag. You can use the promo code CLNS50. Uh I don't I forget is it are we like a couple weeks out from mobile sports betting being allowed in, in Massachusetts, it's not that far away. So, um, make sure you hop on that train when, when the time is right, If you can't get to MGM Springfield or Encore or anywhere else. Um, you know, that's the best way to do it. So we appreciate everyone's support there as well. Um, a six game winning streak. Feel like we've talked about this before. Uh, and you know, we, we can get into all these games, but I think the big story here, Mark, uh, before we do anything else is this trade. Um, Garnett Hathaway coming in, Dmitri Orlov coming in, and one of the things that we've talked about, Mark, is how do you make this team better without sacrificing all of these young prospects? And I, I sort of had one of those tweets where if you can, you can bring in Hathaway and you can bring in Orlov and you keep Beecher and Mirakolov and Lizele and Lowry and po- and, Poitra and 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 Bussy and like you kept all those guys and you still made the team better. That is outstanding. What are your thoughts, uh, initial thoughts on the uh, on the, the the Hathaway
1: and Orlov trade market? All right, let's talk about the trade details first and foremost. Um, so the Boston Bruins re- re- uh, receive Dmitri Orlov, uh, defenseman Garnet Hathaway, and from Minnesota, Minnesota. Uh, this is a three team uh, trade. Got involved and they moved the rights to Andre Svetlakov. Svetlakov, sure. There you go. There you go. And he's uh, primarily over in the KHL right now. I'm not sure if he's going to come over until one, probably just a little bit of a sweetener. Um, Washington Capitals received Craig Smith, a 2023 first round pick, a 2025 second round pick, a 2024 third round pick. Um, Minnesota receives a 2023 fifth round pick. And also, uh, Washington retains 50% of Orloff's salary and uh, the Minnesota wild retain 25% of Orloff's salary. So former Boston Bruin and current Minnesota wild GM doing a solid for the Boston Bruins getting this done because originally the Minnesota wild had Dimitri Orloff and then flipped him to Boston. So that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, the trade I want to get, first and foremost, we have been, how many times, how many weeks have we recorded, Steve, and said that this is the type of trade, not the exact trade that was going to happen, but the type of trade this Boston Bruins team needed. Because you're right, we did not mortgage our future, which we I was particularly scared about. Um, I do want to win now. I know we have to give to get and so on. But, and I want a Stanley Cup championship as well, but I also want to be relevant in the next couple of years and, and be competitive um, and, and, and filtering in younger talent. The next one's up after the uh, Bergerons and Crechies retire and so on. We still need that sustainability in a league that's constantly evolving. So I'm very happy with this trade because um, it addressed just depth the playoffs are a hard grind. We all know this. We say this every freaking week. And I just think this addressed two huge needs. Number one, Hathaway, a forward. He's a fast guy. He's a pain in the ass. We've seen this, you know, when when uh, Washington played the Bruins in the past and so on. And we all hated him and so on. Now he's on our team. And we, I think we're all going to really like the, his contribution. And just by the way he can grind on other, uh, other players and so on. The defensive aspect of the trade, uh, Dimitri Orloff for me, um, it it, it still addresses the depth as well, but it also gives you a top four defenseman in in on this team. And, um, I think that's something that's going to be needed. Yes, Connor Clifton is probably going to see more of a seventh player, seventh, um, you know, position role. Um, and I understand that, but to win, you have to make these sacrifices and so on. Um, I'm I'm really happy with the trade, like you said, we didn't mortgage the future. I thought this was very smart on Don Sweeney. Another trade that makes him look even better as he continues in his uh, general manager uh, tenure here in Boston. Um, the narrative is slowly going away that Sweeney sucks. You know, traded Donny is back, and I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked about these moves, and I'm stoked about how smart it was. But I'm also even more stoker if that could be a name. I might have to, might have to, uh, to Google take that, that one. Enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I lost what I was gonna say. <laughs> you were more stoker. <laughs> I was, but that that's the one that got me all tongue-tied. Now, um, I I forgot. I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Take it away from me. Well, I I I feel like the, the big thing for me is.
2: You know, the big bad Bruins was always the thing. And and I felt like in 2019, they got bullied by St. Louis. And when they've come into the playoffs and they've reached teams that are, they play teams that are physical, that are tough, that are hard to play against hard nosed grind you, whether it's the Islanders or the, the Carolina with every defenseman, it's a redwood tree. They're all six, four, six, five. Having a guy now in Hathaway adds that physical presence that keeps you from getting bullied. You know, if you're in a situation, and we saw this in 2011, if you're in a situation where the other team is playing more physical than you, you can throw out Sean Thornton, Danny Pie, and Gregory Campbell. Now you have the option to throw out not just Nick Felino and and Trent Frederick, but Garnett Hathaway, who if, if he's on the ice, you got to keep your head up. And I, I never really considered Hathaway to be a dirty player uh but he will finish his checks and in in the in the playoffs in particular it's amazing how momentum and I know they're trying to take the physicality out of the game but momentum can swing on hits it can swing on contact sometimes it's not even a, a big hit it's a loud one you get you get a couple guys smashing the boards and it's loud and the place roars all of a sudden there's a little extra pep in your step and so having that new added physical presence uh, of Hathaway and a guy who it seems to me is, is going to be loved in the locker room is, uh, is massive. And so, um, you know, we talked about getting guys of this sort of magnitude. Um, I never saw this one coming, but this is perfect. This is just what they need. And, and, you know, Washington's another team that was always hard to play against when they had Hathaway and they had uh, the other, there's another guy who's like, have a Hathaway light. I can't think. Uh, well, I think of like Barclay Goudreau, right. There's another yep. guy that, 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 Tampa picked up during their runs for the same reason, Patrick Maroon, Maroon. right? You, you yep. need these, these guys at the bottom of the roster that can go out there and and pound a little bit. And I think he's perfect. I think he's a perfect fit. Um, I think he's going to get in perfectly. I saw him drinking a black iced coffee on his way to the arena. Perfect. Get me a guy who doesn't need sugar cream, no black iced, get me to the rink and let me pound some people. I um, love that. And in terms of Orlov, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I've been saying: is depth, depth, and bodies on def- on defense. And I I love them, but I'll never forget when poor Tommy Cross had to come up and play in a playoff game, and just because the Bruins were so thin on defense, and so, um, you know, having Connor Clifton as your seventh D is pretty damn good. I mean, that yep. is pretty damn good. And you know, when we look at the picks, I mean, the first round pick is it should be a top in the thirties, right? So like, it's basically hopefully thirty two.
1: Oh, well, right. Hopefully so
2: 32. So, so you're looking at a, at a high second round pick basically that they gave up and it's a lot of picks, but if you think about it, if you, if you hope that they're not done and you're going to maybe move Riley, um, you know, Riley, will, I don't know, yields you a pick. It's not going to be a first or second, but it'll be a pick. So yep. there will be some picks if, if they're not done, there will be some picks coming back. You know, we, we saw Keith Kincaid get moved. I, would have rather that have been for a pick rather than Shane Bowers, which I don't know much about. And we'll get into that too, but um, no, Orloff is going to eat minutes. Um, He's going to, he does what I, what I like a lot of defensemen do, which, which Lindholm does really well, which is push players to the outside. He doesn't let anybody inside. Eats minutes, moves the puck up the ice. I think he's just what they need. Um, And, you know, like you said, Trader Donnie's back at it, you know, last night, Thunderbirds played Rochester, and I'm watching Anders Bjork skate around. And I'm just like, can you believe we got Taylor Hall for this guy? And he <laughs> exactly. played well. got, I think he had, like, three assists. They pounded the Thunderbirds. But I'm looking at Anders Bjork going, and you got us Taylor Hall. What a freaking steal. So right. um, I, I think we can look now. There's a There's a pattern of success with these trades that he's made. And regardless of what we think of with the draft, the trades, and quite frankly, the free agent signings as well, have been absolute home runs, and um, I think he's in a good spot. And you said job security. I think I think Don Sweeney he was on the hot seat maybe last year, even the year before. Now I think he is getting comfortable, putting the tray tables up, and putting the seat back in its
1: upright position because he's in a good spot. If you know if if you, I'm not sure if you're a big fan of the 2015. I, I we talked about it, but I know that the listeners and the and the audio viewers on YouTube, please subscribe. We would certainly appreciate that. Um, have you know there's a narrative out there that Don Sweeney can't draft and so on, but they used that 2015 as a driving point. And I understand that. But the 2015 draft wasn't a complete failure. The first round, not so great. I mean, we did get Jake DeBrusque and Look what he's doing now. Uh, we did get uh, you know, um Carlo, uh, Jake I think was a lot. second round pick. Carlo was a second, you know, Dan Vladar was in there, you know. There was there was a lot of good value that came out of that. But if you look at this picture right here, and this is from Connor Ryan with a picture of Don Sweeney holding the, uh, the best GM award uh, recently. Um, but look what happens. Don Sweeney has turned Eric Hall, Ryan Donato, Craig Smith, Anders Bjork, Uro Vakanainen, and John Moore, two first rounders, seven additional picks into Charlie Coyle, Taylor Hall, Hampus Lindholm, Pavel Zaka, Dmitry Orlov, and now Garnet Hathaway. That is amazing. What a turnaround from 2015 and that just small speed bump in developing the next, the next ones. You know, a lot of people don't realize that if you had the Kyle Connors and the, and the Thomas Shibots and everything, look how bad your cap situation would be when all of those guys in the first round would have to like gravitate and bottleneck when they need to get paid. You can. You would have to, You would literally be the Chicago Blackhawks in recent years, and the cap casualties losing Antonio Piner and Nieminen, Tara, Tara Vine and all these players because you can simply not have everybody. So I just think that the way he's been doing the GMing, you know, in his tenure has really been not that bad. So um, you know, I got I gotta give him a shout out because this one is just another one. It just seems like we're we're doing better and better in this type of scenario of management every season and just adding what we the small pieces that can just get you over the threshold of a championship season
2: yeah and, and i don't want to i don't want to diminish the the value of of good drafting but you know was erho vacanainen a good pick i don't know i don't know i know he's hurt a lot but if that pick is going to get you Hampus Lindholm, yeah no complaints you know no complaints i all. honestly
1: I honestly believe in it if you do talk to a lot of the like um the folk out there that do love the prospects like I do, like I watch a ton of shit. I believe Urho was was very valid at where he was selected. It was just the injuries that really got to him. And I think that really hampered his future. And hopefully, you know, sooner or later he does get, you know, more repetitive, healthy years ahead of him and you know, not be injured all the time. But that was just something that really hampered his uh his uh forward progress. Yeah, so um massive
2: trade. I think they put him in a good spot and Mark, I got to be honest, I was working uh Thunderbirds last night so I didn't catch a lick of the the inaugural Hathaway Orlov game. Um uh, a 3-1 win uh in Vancouver again a team that's not very good but you got to you got to beat. Um did either player sort of jump off the the table for you or or were they just sort of in their role and staying in their lane? I, I saw something that Orlov was maybe not pushing the puck as much as he will when he gets a little more comfortable. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from their debut last night?
1: I thought Hathaway was impactful. I thought, you know, he he was out there. He banged his body around. Um, and I thought um, Orloff, he had 20, 20 plus minutes last night, which is um, respectful for respectable for um, a new player coming to a team new system and so on. But I think that uh, that's the, uh, the factor here though, it's just one game. I think that uh, once these guys get more involved, um, you know, get a little chemistry together with their line mates and so on, I think it's just going to get a, that much more better. I know Hathaway and, and left both said that, you know, there's going to be some video sessions and so on and how to properly do the systems. It's all in just an adjustment period. And it, I think it's going to be good. I, I don't want to like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, pros and cons of, of one game right now. I, I really want to see how they do uh, coming up uh, this coming week when they, you know, you play Edmonton and Calgary back to back, how they're going to be used in those situations and, and uh, you know, how much more of a, an adjustment they could take uh, just uh, getting camaraderie in, in the locker room. Both of them have, have spoke highly about their welcomes. Um, and, you know, and each player and each teammate that that does work close on their lines, you know, come up and given, you know, constructive criticisms and so on about how to do this and how to do that and how we learn and blah, blah, blah. So it's just I think it's just really good steps moving forward for this this Boston Bruins franchise that continues to just be an absolute wagon. You know, I mean, we're, we're already 90 some odd points in, in, you know, 50 some odd games. It's just an amazing year. And we're just putting, you know, we're just crossing the T's and dotting the I's here on, on something that I believe is going to be special. And I still, I still go back to what Cam Neely said at the beginning of the season, this team thinks that they can do something special and we're going to be rolling the dice on them. So I, you know, it's it's it, Cinderella. If you were here right now, I'd I'd, I'd kiss you. <laughs> well, I, I had the chance on uh, last week, to
2: kiss Cinderella. I just I didn't want to get arrested. Yeah, but you had
1: to wait for a forty-year-old fat guy to get out of your way. <laughs> right, yeah, no kidding. Oh my god, no. Um, You know, but it is it,
2: the adjustment period. Boy, is it nice to come into a locker room like this, where I mean, you know, uh, having Felino and Bergeron and Marchand and getting criticism positive and negative on the back end from, from McAvoy and Carlo. And, and those, if you're Dmitry Orlov, I think that's, that's going to be so helpful. Um, and I, I think, again, I, I think what they have is infectious when you see the goalie hugs and, you know, two guys that are literally competing for ice time. And yet they're like best buddies. Like it's just, um, it's got to be so infectious. And, you know, with that said, we haven't mentioned him really yet. Uh, Craig Smith, uh, absolute, uh a great i just a great asset when he was here i thoroughly enjoyed watching him play i love guys with a shoot first mentality get the puck and shoot it just shoot it um yeah. you know was he overpaid probably did he underachieve i don't know but i know that he was great in the locker room he stuck up for his teammates they loved him there i know they're all sad to see him go um he was a great soldier there and uh we you know we wish him all the best in washington but um it's a it's a real nice player and again danny uh, D- Don Sweeney got him off the books, so that's amazing. Uh, Mark, do you think um, – I assume now they're out on Gavrikov. I assume they're out on Chikrin. Yeah. Uh, do you still see anything down the pipeline? Do you think they're still looking at a Luke Shen? Do you think they're looking at a – I always call him Svechnikov. Who's the guy? Barbashev? Is that his name? In, yeah, uh, St. Louis. you think you think they're in on any of those, or is this, is this it?
1: I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, there's so much time to go before the Friday trade deadline, March 3rd at 3 p.m., um, we are thinking about collaborating with JDF Sports and and Chris Nosek over there to do a four hour live stream starting at noon, ending at four of the trade deadline. Not only just talking about if any of the Bruins uh, made a deal on that day, but we will discuss, um you know, the previous trades of last week and and some teams that in the Atlantic division that are also fighting for, you know, uh, a long playoff run, if they add it or not. And we'll talk about that, but that's coming up on Friday. Um, I kind of feel that there's something else in the works. I think that they, they do want to get rid of the, uh, the Mike Riley contract just for the fact is that what I'm hearing just throughout Twitter, not, not, no sources or anything like that saying that to me, but um, uh, out on Twitter is, is like some bonus overages, and and some maybe some penalties that can be um, attached to next year's cap if if um, certain amount of money isn't moved out before the trade deadline. I'm not sure exactly how it works. This is why I wish we had Dom Tiano on the program every week to talk about the uh, the the uh, this whole salary cap uh, aspect of um, um you know hockey. But um, I, I kind of think that Mike Riley is going to be moved. Um, there there has been some rumblings of of Jacob Lauko being moved um and uh maybe Jacob Smoral as well uh you know these are these not moves of they being bad players and so on and you know they're very respected in the organization but this is a this is a possible move so that players can get better opportunities for NHL consistency elsewhere just because of what's going on at the NHL level is just there's like no room for any of these young guys to really crack the code here um especially you know um you know Lauco and and um uh and Riley you know so yeah and
2: and people talk about Riley's contract you know Zaboro's also you know he signed a 2-year extension last year you know he's making uh, 2 and a quarter million too so um he's played you know, in five games I, I, I the, I thought it was, I chuckled a little bit when he played it. Jack said he's playing his second game in 96 days, and then he immediately fires the fires the puck right at Jim Montgomery on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what happens when you sit me for 96 days. <laughs> no um, kidding. But um, you know, when we talk about getting trade value, I think there's more trade value to, to Zaboral than than Riley, just in terms of again getting picks and things like that. Um I still think that Mike Riley's game suits. The Montgomery system, and I'm I'm still a little flummoxed as to how that hasn't panned out yet. Um, but the only other thing I, I do keep in mind when I talk about chemistry in the locker room is that I, I believe Pavel Zaka came out and said Jacob Ziboril is like one of his best friends. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that in of itself, you know I don't like to play the politics or fr- he's you know the friendly game, but if chemistry and camaraderie is so important on this team, we almost want to keep Ziboril around just for the locker room's sake. Um, yep.
1: there is that Czech mafia factor as well. <laughs> the Czech mafia, <laughs> love that. And and also, also touching on Riley before we move on. Um, uh, if that was your intention, I'm sorry if I interrupted. No, you, no, Steve. no, you're good. Um, you're good. Um, but Mike Riley scored a hat trick on Friday night versus the uh, uh the Charlotte Checkers. So, uh, good game for him. Don Sweeney and Evan Gold were in the house. Um, I saw uh, many people uh, touching on or sending me DMs that Don is up in the, uh, in the, uh, in the box uh, pacing. So he was working the phones, even, even at an AHL game. So I, I, I do think that something, I think that something else is going to happen. Maybe they retain some of these picks. I'm not even sure if they're going to get a first back for anybody, um, a second or a third, but, you don't want to go to the draft in 2023 down in Nashville with only two selections, you know, uh, try to get some draft capital back if you can for some of these players. Yeah. But I would like to see something get back before, you know, that, that contract walks. Uh, Before we get off of the, the trade talk situation,
2: um, we mentioned it real quick. Keith Kincaid out uh, Shane Bowers, Shane Bowers, right. Um, That's it. what, uh, b- besides the fact that he looks kind of like a, a mixture of a bond villain and a backstreet boy, um, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Shane Bowers and, um, you know, obviously a pretty crowded crease down there in Providence.
1: Uh, what do you, what is your take here? Is that any value there? The Shane Bowers? Um, I think he was a first, uh, a former first round pick that just didn't pan out late, late first round in his draft eligible year. Uh, he's a center. I don't I really don't know much about him. Um, I really think that the the Boston Bruins were forced to to do something here. Um, I think with the emergence of a Brandon Bussey coming up from the uh, the Maine Mariners and the ECHL, um, forced the Boston Bruins hand to do something like this before the trade deadline. It's been weeks of um, of the three handed goaltending monster down in Providence with Kincaid and Kaiser and, and, and Busse. um, And it, it's really, I tried talking to Ryan Mouch the head coach of the Providence Bruins about this, but he's not the goalie guy. He actually referred me to go talk to Mike Dunham about it. Um, but you know, what does a three headed goalie monster do to development? Um, especially for goaltenders like uh, Kyle Kaiser and Brandon Bussey. Uh, in my opinion, it's not great because you're only playing game times once a week and then you're practicing the rest. Um, and I I honestly think that by by some people that I talk to throughout the organization, is that because of Brandon Bussey and his success this year coming out of the University of uh, Northern Michigan or 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 Michigan, whatever, um is that it was hard to take him back down and send him down back to the coast. Um, and, and overall Keith Kincaid that your your next man up your break glass in cases of emergency netminder was now out of the Friday, Sunday rotation in favor of Brandon Bussey, getting those two games. Um, and before Kaiser came back, obviously. And um. You know, I think that ruffled a little bit of feathers in in Mister Kincaid's um, you know tenure here in the uh, American Hockey League and the and his NHL time. And um, I think that he wanted a trade. I think that he asked for a trade, and and it, just, it it got accommodated. You know, I mean, this stuff happens all the time, and people aren't happy with their roles and so on. They were originally brought here as a free agent, like Kincaid, to be that third goaltender. And um, I just think that he looked at the landscape, and then the way things were working out with how everything was coached and so on, it just didn't jive with him. And he's he wants to go to a place that he can possibly play more. So I can't fault him for that. But obviously, the way everything happened was just a little, a little um, out of the ordinary per se. I I mean I think there was the beginning, the belief
2: at the beginning of the year. First of all, we didn't nobody thought Olmark would be up for a Vesna. And there were even talks of sending Swayman back down to Providence at points to work on his game and to learn the game a little bit more and blah, blah, blah. And, and Keith Kincaid was the, you will get some NHL reps. I I think that when he signed here, they said you will be getting some NHL reps because our goalie situation, we have two guys that were just not exactly certain what's going to happen. Not that they're going to be bad or good or anything. We're just, we're not sure Like you said break glass in case of emergency. And it just so happens that Swayman and Olmark are playing the way they're playing and Keith Kincaid is not getting those opportunities to play in the NHL. And then who would have thunk it with Kaiser and, and Bussy? So um, would you rather, if you're an organization and the, the AHL is, is designed to develop, would you rather be going with the young Kaiser and and, and Bussy or the 33-year-old Kincaid? Yep. So, I mean, I think that's a big reason why he got squeezed. I do think that if, God forbid, Swayman, Olmark goes down tomorrow – you know, that's going to be tricky, but Kyle Kaiser, Brandon Bussey, I've sort of proven at the minor league level that it, it it's not like they're incapable of handling the workload or the, you know, managing the time if they did get called up. So yeah, I, I could see that the, the three headed monster of goaltenders in the minors is, is tricky. Um, I imagine that nobody liked it uh, between the three of them. Um, like I said I would have liked to have seen a pick come back. Um, Shane Bowers played a couple of years at BU, so you know he's he's been around, um, and yeah, drafted 28th overall by Ottawa in 2017. So um, the talent has been there, and again, how many times has Sweeney drafted a a, a former first rounder that was? Underperforming, and then bang! Before you know it, they're Pavel, Pavel Zaka, right? So yeah, um, so something to keep our eye on. Certainly, I I don't know. Maybe you could fill in on where he might fit in the Providence lineup. I assume he's he's going to be down there. Um, but you know, you talked about. Well, we'll talk about it too, Vinny Laterry. Um, it, well, let's rewind a little bit. Thomas Nosik comes off of um IR, which sends Laterry down uh, through waivers, or did he get put on LTIR? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe give um, a little bit mark on on what Laterry's situation and how Bowers would fit
1: in that center role down there in Providence. So this is what it happens. This is from our partner over at Puckpedia uh, dot com. Uh, the NHL Bruins uh, added Vinny Laterry and his seven hundred fifty k to LTIR, and we removed Nosek uh, and his one point seven five million from LTIR. They now have three hundred thirteen thousand cap space remaining in LTIR. Injured players like Letteri can be waived, making them eligible to be sent down as soon as cleared from IR or LTIR. So pretty much what that means to me is um, that Latari is going to uh, go down to Providence as soon as he's healthy, safely. I was under the impression that when they put him on waivers, that there's 31 other teams that have a, um, a potential opportunity to get a, a center like this. And um a, a player that has led the Providence Bruins for a majority of this season before Georgie McCulloff um take, took over the uh the points lead. Um, so it's good to know because I really think that lottery is important to the Bruins organization. And I know that the the goal is to win a Stanley Cup and and your primary roster is set to do so, uh, you know, regardless of what happens before Friday's deadline. Um I think Letari plays a very uh, important role uh, as, as a leader down there. And, and the way he's been working with uh, Georgie Mikulov and Fabian Lysel as, a, as just a veteran to lean on for questions and so on, but also provide a very, very good skill set. I mean, Latari's just got a really good NHL shot. His, his two-way game isn't really that bad or anything like that. I'm actually shocked that he's not an NHL regular. Um, but happy to have him in the organization and and to have players like Lysel and Merkuloff uh, feed off of his energy and his experiences and so on. What's expected to be a pro at this at this level when you're trying to, you know, cross that threshold of NHL games and time. So, um, you know, I, I'm hoping the best for him. I'm hoping he gets uh, – he's not skating yet. I talked to a couple of people in Providence. He, they haven't seen him skate yet, but hopefully he gets back because – uh, you know, Providence is uh, in, in, in a position to really go for a, a call to cup this year. And I think that the way that things can be constructed, I think they must have a better year than last year. I mean, one and done in a three in a first round three game series is not is not not ideal. But uh, I think that they have the team and the goaltending, especially to uh, to really uh, clamp down on this uh further second half as the uh the providence season continues to wind down um yeah and
2: well based on what i've seen from them too on the opposite side here in springfield they're they're pretty stacked and i know we've talked in the past about the shifts in the lineup and how they they sort of are are, are putting guys all over the place which i think is is a good thing i think that's a valuable asset to have um but just based on where they are in the standings they also sort of have that little bit of freedom to move guys around if they have to let guys gel, let them play other positions. Um, They're pretty solid back there on the back end too. So, um, and then they got, they're getting great goaltending. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see. And, and it is interesting to me that, that um, the trader Donnie is in the building because, you know, you you mentioned guys like Lauco. I think if you have other guys that are playing well, that you can swing for picks but you can still, again, keep your Beecher, keep your out, keep your Merkulov. I think that's why everybody's looking at a guy like Lauko, because, again, unfortunately for him, it's sort of like an odd man out situation. When you look at the tiers of the prospects, all of a sudden, all these guys are above him on that list. And, um, you know, so so it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens there. And um, I don't, does Providence play today? They have the uh, a Sunday game like we do? They do. So, yeah, um, they do. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll be I'll be following that one closely as well. Um, you know, I'll, I got to take off uh, for T Birds and Charlotte today as well. So we'll I'll, we'll be in the building there. But um, interesting. So a uh, lot of a st- lot of trade stuff to talk about, both in the NHL and the AHL, and um, it's got my head spinning so much. I don't even know if we have. Uh, did we talk about the the Linus Olmark goal last night? Have we even touched on that yet? We haven't. Um, uh, what a great I, time to do it, though. <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that is the last goalie goal uh, in the in the pros since Joel Hofer did it for the Thunderbirds in the playoffs last year. Go Joel, even though he got yep. his tits lit up last night. That's that happens. Um, <laughs> but uh, much like Hofer's goal, boy, that thing had some mustard on it. I mean, when you shoot it and it pops out the back of the net after it goes in, boy, oh boy, that had some mustard on it. What a what a moment that was.
1: Oh my God. As the, as the goalie guy here in the, uh, the black and Girl hockey podcast, what a moment, uh, last night I was, I was struggling through a headache. Um, and I, I must be staring at my computer screens way too much lately because I was out of it yesterday. I was trying to do the agenda. I'm like, Whoa, I had to shut the lights off in the office here and then just lean back and watch the game on the TV over there. I struggled, but, um, uh, you know, once those three ibuprofen kicked in, right around the same time, he was just launching his first ever career goalie goal. Linus, Almark, Linus, whatever you want to call him. What a year. I mean, this guy is just writing a Cinderella story in the crease for the Boston Bruins. In 37 games played, these stats absolutely kill me. In 37 games played, he's 34 and 1. Thirty- wins four losses and one overtime loss a 1.86 goals against average which leads the league and a 0.938 save percentage percentage, which leads the league and now you add the first ever franchise goal for a goaltender from the boston bruins now somebody on twitter a, a historian from the 1930s and i wish i remembered um to give them credit but i'm sorry i cannot um but they tweeted out that tiny thompson was the first goaltender to ever score a goal for the boston bruins but it was in in an exhibition game so lenius all right you sir are an elite goal scorer <laughs> i mean it, it's um uh i i am just
2: amazed at at uh his progression this season and even from what i i was sort of picking up on Twitter last night, it was a two one game and the Bruins got a little loosey goosey a couple times and it could have very easily turned into two, two tie game. Yep. And Linus Omark was standing on his head, um, keeping that at one goal game. And um, so, I mean, it's one thing to, to get the goal, but it's another thing to keep your team in the game at critical times. And, you know, we talk safe percentage and, and all this stuff, the, for me, it's all about the timely saves. And that's one of the things that I always, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Tuca Rask hater, but when you needed a big save from Tuca, you didn't always get it. And um, Linus Olmark, to me, it seems like when they need a big save, a huge save to keep him in a game, to swing momentum, whatever it is, he's there. Um, and, and that is to me, the goal is great, but that to me is, is, um, is really what he's there for. And I, I just, I wanted to mention real quick, cause I, Again, this is sort of my my realm here. Um, if you remember, I think we just passed the anniversary of the U.S. beating beating the the Russians in in um, uh, in the uh, world. Not that was the World Cup in the Olympics. <laughs> how They're great of a, how great of a call that was by Al Michaels! You know, do yep. you believe in miracles? Yes, and then he just let it breathe. Um. Ryan Smith, when Hofer scored last year, great call. Hit the, hit the goal, and then he let it breathe. Uh, if you watch the the Vancouver feed on Sportsnet, uh, I don't know if it was Jim Houston. I don't know who the hell it was. he, he scores and he let it breathe. And Jack Edwards is giggling like a psychopathic schoolgirl.
1: The visitor, the visitor, hopeful winner gets it. dude,
2: dude, let it breathe, man let it breathe and i don't know what his obsession with with titles and and stats like when the bruins go on a power play he finds it important to fire every single power play stat at us like while the power play is going up well on in a, in a road games on wednesdays after a full moon the team is 87.6 percent of the way like do shh call the power play um I, I'm just I'm shocked that at his level of broadcasting, he doesn't know to let it breathe. And that was such a big moment to let it breathe. And instead, he was cackling, like uncomfortably <laughs> cackling as he's in the handshake line. I just it it was so uncomfortable. And I, I'm not even a Jack hater, but these are the things, especially as a broadcaster, and I I've never made it to the bigs, but I've done a lot of play-by-play. Um, I've I've learned more about radio and play by play and public address announcing from people who who suck? Who I don't want to say suck, but people who don't do do the wrong thing. I've learned more about people who do the wrong thing than I have from saying, "Oh, this guy's doing it right. Let's copy him." I learned more about what not to do than what to do. Young broadcasters, man, you got to let those moments breathe. You, you <laughs>
1: the president v- <Vezina> hopeful champions,
2: <laughs> just, dude, shut it, man. Just let it go. <laughs> so, other than that, again, a broadcasting thing that crawls up my ass. But other than that, that was a, an amazing moment. Um and again, you, the reaction from the bench was so genuinely awesome. We talk about the com- uh, camaraderie of this team over and over again. That was fantastic. So, um, g- so good for Linus. I hope this isn't a distraction. Yeah,
1: you know? and yeah, me too, me too. But um, uh, as a, as a, an older Boston Bruins fan in the in the uh, late '40s, um, the only goalie goal that I really remembered watching as a kid was when Ron Hexall did it as a Philadelphia Flyer to us the Boston Bruins down in the um oh I don't even remember the arena anymore. Oh the spectrum. The spectrum. The spectrum. And Ray Bork was on the team, Bricklin, and so on, blah blah blah. So um it was this it was really good to remember back then when Hextall did that to us, but now we have Le and and um in his uh, in his unbelievable snipe abilities. I mean, look at the secondary scoring now. Now you add Allmark onto it, man. Come on, <laughs> you, you you've got to say Stanley Cup. You cannot you cannot take anything less than a Stanley Cup with that guy's snipe abilities. I mean,
2: I I, I think there's now three players that have played more than five games that haven't scored. And I think Not it's right. I think it's like Lauko. I think it's like Kopenin,
1: Swayman, and somebody else. Like that's it. Like, uh, yeah, which is so. Uh, how much is just bananas. How much pressure do you think it is on, uh, on, on Swayman to get a goal? now? Well, I feel like, <laughs> didn't he, I feel like he, he was going to try. He did. He did try. He did try. He did try, but it was, uh, it was a bit wide.
2: Yeah. And so all yeah.
1: my, all Mark Allmark tried at the winter classic too. And, and he hit was the like, post, oh man. I know, yeah. I think he did. Yes. I think he I did. Think he hit
2: the post. So, that's um, crazy. And I, 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 in a weird way. I I don't think, I think this is going to become more normal. I think um, you watch these goalies during warmups at the AHL and the NHL level and their ability to handle the puck, um, the importance of it. I mean, I I know that stupid ass trapezoid, which I hate. Um, I think they put that in for Martin Brodeur who hasn't played in forever. Um, It
1: eliminates the third defenseman.
2: Yeah. It's pretty much right. and, I mean, I think they mostly put that in when the two line pass was still a thing. So it's like, um, but but regardless, their ability to handle the puck now and have skill with it on their goalie stick, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you see more of these. And I remember you talk about it. I one of the most embarrassing moments I had in a building was was when Tristan Jari scored one against the Thunderbirds uh, in our building, and you're just like, oh no, like it's just. Makes you want to bury your head in the sand when the uh, the visiting goalie scores one on you. That's my the the Tristan Jari memory
1: I'll always have is when he buried one against Springfield. So, um, you know, so there might be a possible, possible another memory for you in the making, Steve, when the Boston Bruins just run over Tristan Jari in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe, maybe, and I'll see what happens.
2: One of the best rivalries (laughs) in sports is Brad Marchand against Tristan Jari. That is, I know, right? (laughs) That is just fun to watch. So, um, so, yeah, so I know we're kind of all over the place and we're bouncing sort of uh, to the past, the present, and the future. Um, That's what we do. <laughs> one of the other things we want to talk about is the return of DeBrusque, who I think we talked about was very important to kind of solidify the offense a little bit. And it seemed like as soon as he hopped in the lineup, if I remember correctly, because, again, my brain is 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 that of a mosquito, um, uh, he scored one of his first shifts in his uh, return. So, What's the importance of getting him back, and and what have you noticed over the last couple of games with the Brus back in the lineup?
1: We talked about it when when we uh, we found out that he was going to be out for uh, you know a certain amount of time with a a broken fibula, or oh, I'm sorry, fractured fibula, um, and and how he was going to be missed, and we saw that. I mean, uh, the Boston Bruins still continued to be a decent team, even though they had that three or four game kind of speed bump without him. Um, but I think that he was. It, it was an important role that was being left out of the lineup and as he recovered. And, you know, when they came back to play the New York Islanders um not too long ago, over a week ago now, you know, this just is immediate impact to get back on the ice and, and, and start go, going. And he, now he continues that, that scoring streak. He's on a six game scoring streak now, which is obviously dating back to uh the, the winter classic when, when he got injured. So, I mean, just, he, he just makes those small impacts that a lot of people don't see, but when he does, when he does have that finish in him, those are the plays that fans really get involved. in. I just think that his overall game is just as he gets older, continues to be better and better. He's just more confident. And, and what he provides to a, um, um, a team already good with, with chemistry and camaraderie and, you know how we do things as a Boston Bruin. Continue to be more, more better attributes for him as he continues his career, and I love it. I I, I love a positive, happy Jake DeBroskin. And, and hopefully it continues because we're reaping the benefits of of having him, and not like so many people wanted to trade him and so on. Um, he's he's better on this team, and obviously, you know, after after the um, the fibula fracture. He just hasn't lost a step. And I'm 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 actually shocked. I mean, it was more like it was almost like Brad Marchand have a double hip surgery at the beginning of the season and coming back in his first game and like, wow, did he even miss any time? You know, yeah. that's a kind of feeling. Kudos to the training staff of the Boston <clears throat> Bruins organization as well. Get these guys ready to go sooner rather than later. It's it's just really good. So happy he's back.
2: Um, the other thing too is to is to set the proper um uh, set set the proper timeline. We always say in sales, you wanna you, you wanna uh, you don't wanna overpromise and underdeliver, and so you know you can run into issues when you say, well, the guy's gonna be back in in five weeks, and then you're seven weeks in, and you're like, where the hell is the guy? You know. um So having these guys come back earlier than expected, maybe that was the initial timeline. They just didn't want to add. Unnecessary pressure to the players or to the training staff to get these guys ready to go. But um, either way, it's just it's got to be so helpful to playing with Bergeron and Marchand, and when those two are so locked in, which I'm going to get into next, um, being that third guy. And again, I just think Jake DeBrusque skill set is so perfectly designed for what they do. You know, throughout throughout his time here, I, I would have described him as streaky. He gets very hot and cold. When he's on fire, he's scoring seven goals in six games, and then all of a sudden he'll go dry for twelve. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that outside of the injury. I just haven't seen a lot of that. I haven't seen these these huge, you know, uh, these these huge uh, success of, of scoring, you know, over a small window. I've just seen it consistently. It's none. It's not a roller coaster. It's just been this consistent drive down the pike, which. Um, which I think is just what they need. And I think that's what his career needs. I think he needs more of that and less of the roller coaster. And I think a lot of that comes from, again, his, um, uh, his structure around him with the guys that he's playing against, but also his, his mentality and the way he's approaching the game, which I think is in a really good spot right now, as you mentioned. And um, I know we know that he and Cassidy were not exactly on the same page. And um, we've talked about the importance of, of Montgomery. And I, I think that that's, that's huge for this player and, you know, you can bang on that 2015 draft, but this is
1: a, this is turning out
2: to be a pretty nice pick here for for Don Sweeney.
1: Yeah, and and not only that, it's it's important to remember that Jake Dibrusco is having all the success on his off wing. You know, I mean, this kid was drafted to be a left winger and 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 just doing it, grinding it. Just I, I'll do whatever it takes um, to play on a line with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and so on. But whatever makes this team successful, he's doing it and he's making those sacrifices. And it's just paying dividends now. So we spent a lot of the show here talking about the old, uh, talking about the young guys,
2: and uh, and some of the trades and some of that stuff. And I want to talk about uh, some of the old guys here coming up in a minute. But uh, first, would we like to hear from our friends at BetOnline.ag?
1: We sure do, Steve. Uh, BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline.ag. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline.ag is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game starts, Steve. It's where the game starts. The game starts.
2: And it ends right here with us at Black and Gold. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, So we're going to get into uh, Krejci, who uh, who just played his 1,000th game uh, and a really nice moment there as well. But before we do, I want to talk about Patrice Bergeron. Uh, 20th goal of the season. He's done that 14 times. Um, 10 straight seasons with 20 plus goals. He had a, a shorthander that was just a simple, just a simple little shot right past the pad. That was just, uh, just uh it was so simple and gorgeous all at the same time. It wasn't dipsy-do-dunkaroo. It was just drive down and fire this thing home. Um How just, he's 37 and he's playing at at, at a rate he did when he was 25 and you know he doesn't need to play like as long as Jager, but uh, I, if he keeps this up and he avoids injury, he avoids punctured lungs and everything else, you know how how, how long can he can he keep this going? And is this something that the Bruins want to want to keep around as long as they can?
1: Oh, you would you would hope the Bruins want would want to keep him around for as long as they can, just by the way he sets the tone in the room and on the ice. Um, one of the best two way forwards this league has ever seen. Uh, and and it and it shows in in the uh record number of sulky trophies that he's he's won or about to win. Uh, I really think that he's got to be the top echelon of of members of uh that voting class um when it comes down to uh NHL awards. But just continues to just be that that leader that continues to 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 you know come down from the charas to the to, to what he's doing right now and, and setting an example for the next captain in the line who I believe is probably going to be a Charlie McAvoy. Um, you know, that'd be my guess or, or who I'd like to see get it. um, But, you know, the accolades just continue for him. um, You know, a tremendous family guy and a teammate and all about the organization. It's all about black and gold through and through. And, that's something that resonates um, in this fan base, you know, that, that that's that's legendary stuff right there. That's stuff that we've always seen throughout the league, throughout the hundred years of this of this league when it comes to certain players and and how they they take the role of the leader. So um, I I hope he stays as long as he can. But, you know, I do understand that these guys, they have families as well and so on. So there is time to set a um, a precedence when it comes to stuff like that as well. But you know, for, for the selfish side of me, I want to see him play another five years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean me too. And and you know, we
2: I think I saw an article that came out the reason why Tom Brady had such a terrible year was because of all the divorce stuff. And and you know, and you never want to have it come down to that, you know, and, and family you, you said he's a he's, he's a big family guy and that's important. And from what I gather, Yager little yes less of a family guy. I think he was out there Doing his thing
1: on it or 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 destroying families. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, but you know, I do want to touch on what you said about the family thing and so on and, you know, relationships and so on We're human beings, things happen, you know, it's, it's, it's never easy when stuff like this happens, but you know, when you brought that up, it brings me back to what happened in the beginning of the season, you know, Jeremy Swayman, goaltender for the Boston Bruins, a young kid, promising kid probably going to be a, a stud in this nhl um you know he is right now and just an unre- unbelievable run since december with him you know but i think the past the the first couple months of the year were a little rough because he did come out on instagram and say that you know he's going through a tough time he you know he had a, a breakup with a, a, a high school sweetheart you know that does affect you in in your job it affects everybody and everybody else's job if you're not even a A hockey professional, but this is a human being factor, and looks like Jeremy Swayman has fought through those feelings and so on, and and moved on for the better, you know. But it does happen, so we can't, you know, nobody can say that, you know, get over yourself. You're making a million dollars, and you're in the National Hockey League. There's plenty of them in the sea, you know. Sometimes people, when they when they have stuff like this happens, it it resonates a little longer than than people expect.
2: There's something about this sport too, where. I don't know. It's just baseball guys seem to be in, in the locker room on Instagram, you know, looking up sweeties on their road trip to Miami and basketball players. We know that the only reason they like to go to the all-star game is for all the doing. Um, it does seem like hockey to me is the most, I mean, you know, I see these Thunderbirds players when they leave the game and they're always with their family. They're with their girlfriend. They're with, they're never leave by themselves. They're always with somebody. And, and, um, like you, like you said, it's it's it can't be un- overlooked at how important that is. You know, Lena Salmark talked about his battle with his own family, <laughs> different type of uh, battle, but a battle nonetheless. Um, you look at what's going on with Spencer Knight down in Florida, which, again, right. we don't really know the details of, but, you know, he's a, a, a young, promising kid who just can't – couldn't get his – his mind's not right. And so he's into the, uh, the, the sort of – I don't want to call it the rehab program, but he's in the NHL – um program to just sort of get himself better. So understanding that mental state is is so important. And um and you know, and back to Bergeron, just to lighten it up a little bit. You know, I, I, I grew up Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman was my guy. And and Bergeron to me is the closest thing to Eiserman in terms of dominating on the faceoffs, dominating on both ends, power play and penalty kill. Um, does it the right way, carries himself like a professional, stands up for his teammates. All the things I loved about Steve eisenman growing up, I see in Patrice Bergeron. And that and man, if that's what you you could be, you know, that's why I got so pissed off at 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 Tyler Sagan. Um, because he wore number 19 because he wanted to be like Steve Eiserman. And meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> he's it. meanwhile, he's sleeping through his alarms on a road trip.
1: Yeah, it's like, right? well
2: at 18 eisenman was a captain, buddy. You're sleeping through alarms in Minnesota, like that you can't it can't happen. So um uh, like you said, I, I hope Bergeron plays as long as he wants to play. I hope he doesn't string it out too long. I'd love it to be another five years. Um, and I would hate, hate to see his career end because of, I don't know, another concussion or you know, some injury that 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 ends it for him. I want him to go out on his own on his own terms, and and that's the best, hopefully, for him. I'll never forget when he had his thousandth game celebration, all he wanted to do was was check on Johnny Busick. You know, yeah. it wasn't about him. He just wanted to talk to Johnny and make sure Johnny yeah. was feeling good. That that just says yeah. so much about him. Um, speaking class. of class, yeah, and speaking of playing their thousandth game, uh, David Krejci did the same. Again, we talk about class. The, the one of the best gifts I saw that he got went to his wife. Uh, the team got his wife a really a really nice present for again being there for guys like Krejci. We talk about this, right? He went home to 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 be with his family uh, overseas and all that bouncing around and, and making those hard decisions are tough on families. They're tough on people. They're tough on humans. Um, But here he is getting his thousandth game. He becomes the seventh player in franchise history to do so. Um, And boy, talk about a guy you love. You're happy to have back in the roster, David Krejci.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what a year to have him back, you know? Um, and, and I, I honestly did not know how he was going to do by going from, you know, a league that's lower than the NHL, maybe a couple stages to come in right back and just jumping right back into the, into the, on the saddle and riding this, this wagon um, that this Boston Bruins team is currently on. It's, it's just been so, so great to see him. You know, he's not lighting it all up. He's just doing the complimentary things that impact games positively. You know, he's a good second line center for his age and, you know I'm happy he's back and so on, and, and it just seems like this this team is just driven to do something really special this year, and I'm really proud to to have everybody together, and and hopefully it gets done because this would be amazing.
2: Yeah, I mean playing last year against practically pig uh, pig farmers, yeah, uh, in that <laughs> league, and then he comes over here and he and he didn't miss a step. Um, and, and you know, does Pablo Zaka have as have as good of a year? if he's not playing with Crecci, I mean, it makes talks about the Czech stuff. And now they're all, you know, from the same country and stuff that goes a long way. But, um, how many years has it been? We need to find David Crecci, some wingers. We need to find David Crecci, some wingers that aren't Lee Stempniak and they're not, you know, Alexander Koklicev or whoever it is, we got to get this guy wingers. And now he's in just such a perfect position. Um, and it shows, I mean, he's just playing out of his mind and, uh, I mean, what can you say to have those two guys as your top two centers? And then, oh, by the way, Charlie Coyle on the third line. Yeah. Um, boy, are they in a good spot. And 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 uh, what an accomplishment. A thousand,
1: a thousand games after taking a whole year off. That's pretty damn good. You know, uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on, and and it's not just the 1,000th game because congratulations to David Krejci on that, but what I do like about these celebrations is the family members are being allowed to come out as well because – they're being congratulated, like you said earlier. You know, the 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 wife and the kids. It's it's hard on them these decisions to just uproot and move, and then uproot again. You know, it, it's very difficult. But you know, to find a common path and and say yes, this is the best for us, and so on. But to be out there as well to 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 hear those congratulations and and to see David, uh, you know, accept an award for an incredible accomplishment. It just goes to show how classy these players are and how respectful they are of the families. But not only that, the organization as well for allowing a family members to enjoy the moment. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, I, I, I got a full grasp
2: of what his decision was to go to the Czech Republic. When I turned down the Bruins, it was like, I got all the way to the top of the top of the top as a PA announcer. And I need to spend more time with my family. I need to focus on my job and, Sometimes we gotta make ridiculously hard decisions and and you know I'm not going to the garden anymore, which sucks. But you know what? I'm spending a lot more time here with my family. I got my kids coming to the Thunderbirds game today. Like that means means a lot, you know, as a dad. Yeah. So um I got a pretty good grasp on what was going through his mind as I made my own decision, you know, and um we're no different, we're all humans, you know. So uh congratulations to uh Kraichi uh, congratulations to Bergeron! Uh, two absolute legends. Uh, by the way, does Krejci, uh, Krejci, get his number
1: in the rafters? And if Mark was calling the shot, um, oh man, this is a, this is a lot. That's a lot. I don't know. Overline. I think I think so, but not anything immediate. Like first, you know, first ballot, whatever, blah blah blah. I think he'll he'll have to wait. I really do want to see the NHL restructure the numbers and so on. You know, you can honor a number up in the rafters, but you can also honor that number by having a player on the ice represent, you know, because sooner or later, and I know we're not going to be around to see all this, but sooner or later, numbers are going to be, you know, few. And we're going to start going three digits. Can you hear Jack Edwards going, David Pasternak, you know, eight hundred and eighty eight <laughs> you know it's it's gonna get crazy sooner or later but you know the ultimate respect is to to honor those those members uh alive and, and those alumni alive or, or 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 passed on but still it's i just think that we gotta, gotta restructure the whole number thing because it's getting yeah. crazy yeah it is i mean
2: luckily you're not playing you are not. you don't have a 53 man roster like they do in the nfl and i think that's part of the reason in the nfl right. you don't see number retires because there's just there's too many guys you, you need the the numbers to fill although you know it'd be weird to see a quarterback playing 12. I still think it's weird watching when I go see Providence and I see the Bruins jersey with 37 on the back you know and I'm just like that this is, looks weird um yeah. <laughs> but you know it is it certainly is what it is um I want to move ahead here now to Marchand and I meant I to bring this up when we were talking Bergeron uh Bergeron and Marchand now uh 32 shorthanded goals as a tandem. That is second to all time. Uh, this comes from the Bruins. Number one is uh, Yari Curry and Gretzky with 41. Bergeron and Marchand with 30, wow. uh, 32, and then Don Luc and Craig, uh, Craig Ramsey have 31 uh, for Buffalo. Uh, but they are a, a, a in terms of shorthanded goals scored, they are second all time as a tandem. That is bananas to me. Um, and That's I've complained a, complained about them playing too many shorthanded minutes. But I mean if that's the results you're gonna get, um, that's crazy to me. Um, Marshan fined five thousand dollars for a slew foot. Uh I I'm still convinced, and I'd be hard to get me off this this molehill that Marshan got suspended for his tweet, Marshan got fined for his tweets when he was calling <laughs> out the players association. I think that's exactly why they fined him. Um, what are your thoughts on the fine? Do you think it was it was legit? Do you think that slew foot was even a slew foot or what
1: did you see there, Mark? Well, in definition, and I'm using the air quotes there, um, The they didn't call it a slew foot. They they called it a dangerous trip. Um, so, But I wanted to dovetail on this conversation and say, is it a borderline slew foot? Could they have gotten him for that? Because the mechanics, if you look at it, it's pretty similar. He put his back, he put his foot in the back of the legs and had upward pressure down, which immediately knocked the player right on his ass and his back and whatever. But, you know, the player that, that, you know, that happened to got up and, and was not happy at all. But did you see him like twisting Mashan's leg and shit?
2: Yeah, it was like he was, it was like he was dry humping his knees.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you wanna do that to me? Well, how about this hip you just had surgery on? Right, you know? <laughs> right. But, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's it's borderline for me. Brad has got to just be a little bit better with stuff like that. I, I get it's very fast. The emotions are really high and so on. Um, but I just don't want to see anything like that happen any time from now to the end of the season, particularly in the playoffs when – when that could be suspendable you know i just what, whether we agree or disagree on if it if it was fine worthy or not it's just he's got to stay away from that borderline stuff you know what i'm saying but mm-hmm. i do understand that things happen fast emotions are all there's a lot of avenues that have to be considered when you when you talk about this certain topic
2: yeah i and you know, Marshand. First of all, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Oliver Bjorkstrand, I think, is about 150 pounds soaking wet, so he's not exa- he's not exactly you know built like uh, built like Adam McQuaid. He went down pretty pretty easily there. Yeah. Um, Marshand, what makes him so great is his low center of gravity, and his strength comes from his low is his his low center of gravity and, and being able to get underneath people. And when he wants to toss somebody to the ice, he can do it. Uh, although he got hit pretty good by Wes McCauley last night, I, I did see that. <laughs> That's um, right, <laughs> uh, but
1: but uh, I, right. I,
2: I still am I, convinced. Uh, February 19th, uh, Phoenix Copley gets a five minute match penalty for throwing punches with the blocker. Brad Marchand responds to the to, to Martin Barone's tweet by saying, I got six games for a love tap, he got away with murder. If you want to compare apples, <laughs> that is if you're the, if you are the, the department of player safety, that is a kick in your teeth. That is a pantsing in public. That is uh disrespectful to them, not to me, but if they're them, I bet that went right up their keister. And <laughs> I am convinced still that they're like, we'll we'll find, we'll find something to suspend you for. It's like, you know, it's like if the cop wants to pull you over, he'll find a re or he'll find a reason, you know, if, they get uh, they get a lot of mobsters on tax evasion, right? Not murder. <laughs> they get them on tax evasion, right? So they, the NHL wanted to, I think, mess with Marshand because of his tweets, because they were, again, pantsed on a public social media platform. And they decided to, again, not even a slew foot, a dangerous trip. That's even wimpier. That's even wussier. It's not even a slew foot, It's a dangerous trip. Get out of here. Um, I'm convinced it's five grand for the tweet. They just can't find for tweets uh so that's how they handle it because they're soft uh and they they they're so egotistical that they uh, one wrong word or bad thing said about them they lose their mind so that's that's my thought on that
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, yeah watch that yourselves crazy. on twitter uh,
1: <laughs> i know right
2: <laughs> boy and i by the way i i went out i went after some people calling out uh mark uh this week too i i I don't need to get uh, I don't need to get in verbal spats on Twitter, but I I'm going to defend the wall as long as I have to. My yeah, man, so.
1: dude, I appreciate you having my back on that one, too. It's... I made a mistake. I'm I'm just going to come out right now. I made a mistake. Uh, it happens. It happens to Friedman. It happens to America. It happens to all these. Chris Johnson. Pagnota happens. It Pagnota did the same thing yesterday, yep. too. He's like, you know what? Got some bad, bad information. Moved it forward. Apologize. Let the let the attacks commence. Yep. I deleted my tweet and immediately came right out and said, "Sorry, I made a mistake. Got some bad information, and so on." So, it, I mean, it happens. Don't but worry. I I'll, appreciate.
2: I'll throw the rabbit punches for you. I have no problem. I was <laughs> I was only good at two things in athletics: running fast and talking smack. So I
1: have no problem <laughs> defending the wall. I will rabbit punch uh, down all day. For you, yeah, man. I, I get it, you know, and I'm not trying to be this this NHL insider or anything like that, like so many people are making me out to be. I'm just a, a hockey fan that knows people that has has, you know, went out and got uh trust from certain people. I create relationships. It's not just like I slide into somebody's DMs and say, hey, blah, 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 blah. I actually know these people and so on. So when I get something across my board, I either run with it or not. I, I make the choice of saying, I don't know if that one's going to be good. I, and more or less, I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be good for Twitter. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's how you have to make a decision now. Because it, it's such a fine line right now. If you make a simple mistake, you cast for the rest of your life. It's so ridiculous.
2: Yeah. No, so, they jump, I they mean, do. They, they jump on it. Like somebody screws yeah. up like, oh, you screwed up.
1: And it's like, yeah, exactly. Have you ever hit a
2: golf ball out of the trees, man? Like sometimes you... Sometimes you hit a golf ball to the trees, man. Like that happens. Get over
1: it. But I will say that I did pre- appreciate Jacob Lauco, you know, kicking back to me a little bit, you know, hey, good for him. You know, he's, he's right. He, he would know best. <laughs> then, he, then he went out and played a hell of a game. So he should be thanking I you. know. I know. And then I'm the one that said, I'm the one that said Jacob Lauco has a possibility. Uh, I, uh, all right. I, I don't know if anybody out there, the uh, YouTube viewers or anything like that. And I don't have a picture yet. But what I did say was I heard that Jacob Lelco and Mike Riley were being scratched. I never added for trade purposes or anything like that. In the American Hockey League, people get scratched all the time. So I just left it as that. And everybody else took it as they were being he they be in scratched for a trade purpose. That's not what I what that's not the information that I got. So I mean, it is trade season. It is crazy time. Put two and two together. I get how people can freak out about it, but I just got some bad info that I moved it forward and I apologize. I'm a man that you don't need any more it, than it's that. my mistake. You don't exactly. need any more than that. I mean, really, so, people can get, people
2: can get over it. Um, yep. Including Jacob Laucco who did, and then had a great game and Riley who had trick. So exactly. Both of them sticking it in my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Real quick, uh, as we talk about, because we do have two calls we want to get to as well. And at some point here, I got to get, get a shower and get ready to go to Springy for a little Sunday afternoon tilt. Um, uh, Miracle Love and uh, Justin Brazot are playing a great down for uh, Providence, as we just mentioned. Um, you, uh, Mark, have some audio from uh, Ryan Muginelle, uh talking about those players. You can fire that off for discussion's sake.
1: Yeah, so this is what uh, uh, Ryan Mujanel had, had to say about uh, Georgian Mikuloff and, and how he evaluates his game and how he's developing and so on. So I just wanted to give an idea of what the coach is saying because people can look at his stats all day long and say he's outstanding, but when you get the character and you get uh, how a player is playing from a coach, it, it means a little bit more. So this is uh, Ryan Mujanel on – uh, Georgi Mukulov in his unbelievable season this year.
0: Yeah, I think I think for Merck, I think his game is just maturing, and he didn't he didn't understand the process probably at the beginning when we had him on the wall. He was like, "I want to be a center," and we always, you know, we always valued and viewed him as a center, same as Beach. But it's real important to in our system to be interchangeable and and understand how important it is to play on the wall and and understand taking contact and making plays under duress. And I think. Um it's really rounded out his game and uh I think it's doing the same for Beach too. Um for us, for Merck, uh, the offense is amazing, it's great, we, we welcome it. It's but for us the growth uh in Merck has really been his commitment to to end plays in our own end, which I'm not gonna lie to you, at, at the you know, at the end of the last year I knew it was gonna be a challenge. For Merck to buy in and, and play the way we needed him to play, to be a Bruin. right? Um, that was real important. And I think, you know, kudos to Merck. He's, he has, uh, you know, he's inquisitive. He asks a ton of questions. Um, he wants answers. And he's arguably one of our best guys in our own end. And then the offense, I think, translates because of that.
1: So that was Ryan Mujanel talking about uh, Georgie Mikulof, who's who uh you know transferred to the center role when Terry went down with an injury and then his offensive production just uh, skyrocketed so you know just wanted to give everybody a better idea of what the the head coach was talking about when when uh you know considering a prospect that's developing in the American Hockey League well and and you
2: know the 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 proof is the proof is at the NHL level i mean Frederick was a center. Now he's on the wing. Felino was a center. Now he's on the wing. Uh, Pavel Zaka has played uh, every position. We talked about Jake DeBrusque coming up as a left wing. Now he's on the right side. If he wants to be a center and he, and he understands being a center, that's great. But just the ability to learn those other positions. I mean, how much value do we put in? When we talk about defensemen, we always say, well, he can play either side. He's a left shot defenseman, but he can play both sides. There's value there. And there's value to be able to play, to slide over to left wing, slide over to right wing. You're going to get, quite frankly, you're probably going to get more playing time if you have that versatility. So yep. um, I, I think that understanding that is huge for a young player, but also being able to look at, look up at the NHL roster to see the the fruits of that, that mindset um, is so valuable. And same thing with Beecher and, and, you know, Lizele. I know is strictly, I think left wing, but um you know centers are hard centers are hard to play if you can play center you're in good shape but you you should at least understand how to play he said how to play in the wall how to play the left side how to play the right side um how to play the point on a power play you know just just stuff like that i think is so critical
1: to development and playing time and and while rounding out your game yep and and i've go back to so many times i i i talked to um uh dom tiano about this and and you know it's so easy for a center to transition to a wing than a wing transition into the center. It's so difficult. so you know, but also the the Boston Bruins tr- tend to you know move these players down to wings out of the out of the national center position uh, because they they see a better fit at a left wing for this type of player in their skill set so, get him down to the American hockey league, get them familiar with a, a, a different position and then rise them up uh, to the American, uh, to the national hockey league level where they're not going to be like, you know, just thrown in the wolves and try to figure it out.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think Bruins fans haven't got a chance to watch this kid. Um, again, I cross my fingers. He doesn't get dealt. Cause I'm, I'm very curious as to what, what he brings, what Beecher brings. I, I think Providence is in such a good spot. I think the draft, uh, the, um, a prospect pool for this organization is in a really good spot. Um, so we'll see how it all plans out. But uh, as you said, uh, they do play as well today. So yep. uh, if you've got AHL TV or you you can get to, are they at home? Do you know? Yes, they are at home. All right. Yep. So you can get down to the, the arena formerly known as the dunk. Uh, Be sure to check that out. What is it? The A, the amp. Is that what it is?
1: The amp. Yeah. The Amica mutual pavilion.
2: Okay. Amp.
1: Yeah. yeah it's cool. The amp. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this, uh... I-
2: I'm I'm a little annoyed that Mass Mutual, we've been the Mass Mutual Center forever, and now Mass Mutual won't pay the rights for the Springfield Arena yet. They're sponsoring literally everything else. Oh, Mass Mutual commercials, the all-star game, they're sponsoring conferences during COVID, but they can't sponsor the arena where the home of Mass Mutual is. That is infuriating oh. to me. What a kick in the nuts. But Jeez. Sorry, I don't mean to piss off our, our mass mutual sponsors.
1: <laughs> Jesus
2: guys, come on, man. What the hell? Uh, I just don't uh, want to turn into the Jimmy's fried chicken dome, you know, or something stupid.
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh so. this this next um this next audio clip uh is from it's about a player that is on his last year of his AHL only deal. And I have a feeling that he's gonna get a, a two way um contract coming up, uh, either this season or the off season and it's big. Justin Brazell. Uh This kid went undrafted playing out of the, um, of the American, I'm uh, um, sorry, the Ontario hockey league had a, an amazing season in his over, overage age year um, signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, cause he's from the area and didn't work out there and um, went to the the, um, Main Mariners and really worked his way up through the Boston Bruins organization, up to the American Hockey League, Providence Bruins. And um, I think that he's just, he's a very talented uh, player that can definitely be your fourth line. If the Bruins want to continue to keep looks at him and, you know, I'm not saying next year's roster or maybe the year after, but if you want to sign him for two years, he could possibly fit in a fourth line role with, with some departures coming up. So it's not a bad idea to keep tabs on a player like this, but he's really good in the net front presence. He's got an an absolutely ridiculous shot. Um, His stick is absolutely at the league minimum of height. He's a big boy. He's a very big boy. 6'5", almost 200 pounds. Yeah. But you'll hear Ryan Moujonelle talk about his physical uh, attributes that aren't him being physical, but – it's the physicality that he's taking. And not only that, a type of player like this, that is, is known for getting in the scrums and so on only has six penalty minutes. (laughs) Absolutely crazy. I was, I was just looking at
2: that six penalty minutes. He had six last year for a guy that size. He had, he had six with the Toronto Marlies uh, the year before
1: that. I mean, for a guy that size, that that just looking at it shocked me how few penalty minutes he has. That's incredible. he takes an absolute beating and he just thrives off of it. But, uh, he has Ryan Mouchanel on big Justin Brazau.
0: Yeah. He's a big part. He's a big identity piece for us. Um, you know, Braz is a, is a, you know, he's actually one of our, our more physical guys, uh, not in the fact that he, you know, gives a lot of body contact, but he takes a lot of contact and he protects pucks and, and he extends offensive zone time. And, you know the one thing he has—he's got a great set of mitts, and he's he's got tons of courage. And and uh, you know we celebrate what he what he's really good at. Some of the things he's got to get better at that that probably put him in the conversation at the next level. Uh, he's working on for sure, um, but he is a huge part of of our offense. Uh, I don't know if I've seen anybody as good in front of the net as uh, as Braz. Um, you know he's uh, he's definitely a big piece of it. Everybody that he's played with has, has, one, gone up to the NHL and Laco and, and Kopi And, you know, last year, Eddie, Kopi and Braz were, were, a huge, were a huge line for us. Uh, just injuries and stuff haven't really kind of put them back together. But, um, you know, I think that's a compliment to the player when a lot of the guys around you have success. And then he's playing with Merck, and all of a sudden Merck catches on fire. So um, kudos to Braz. He's, he's a big part of
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, just a, uh, he's having a career year down in Providence right now, and I'm just really happy for him. And and what and he's really showing that he deserves some extra looks, you know. And and hopefully it does. He stays in the organization because you know the, the Boston Bruins tend not to pay their fourth liners a, a tremendous amount of money. They like to keep it right around a million or two million, right around there. Uh, this is the type of player that could be a good cap friendly move. Uh, to get in to be a, a future fourth liner, that's under a million dollars, you know. So if you want to save some money somewhere, if the cap's not going up and so on, you can you can have like a, um, a Curtis Lazar departure and then bring in a guy like Justin Brazzau who who is a predominantly a fourth line role player. Yeah. And I said almost 200 pounds. He's 220. 6'5", yeah. 220.
2: Um, you know, I, I always say when Charlie Coyle is on his game it is when you can't take the puck from him. Like that was the big yeah. thing for me when he first came here was like, when he has the puck and he doesn't want you to have it, you don't have it. He keeps. Exactly. Um, and if that's what this guy is bringing to the table, I think that's huge. Especially when you talk about a fourth line role, a lot of the fourth line minutes are there to eat minutes. They're there to keep the puck in the offensive zone, eat minutes, exhaust the other team, wear them down. And again, even if you're not, if you're not bashing them, sometimes, sometimes it's you lose more energy doing the hitting than being the hitter being the hit E. So if they're exhausting their energy chasing you around and trying to get the puck away from you, that's, there's value there. You know, it's not always scoring goals. Sometimes there's value in that. So, Hey, I, I love it. I mean, I'll take a guy who's 220 pounds, six foot five with massive reach and six penalty minutes. I'll take that all day. Um, But it'll be interesting to watch his development on again, undrafted. I don't know if that's another Sweeney move, um, but he loves to find, we talked a little bit about last year, these college kids, these undrafted kids.
1: Um, he's sort of the scouting staff. The yeah. scouting staff goes criminally underrated in, in this fan base. And it's because of the narrative of 2015.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. We'll, we'll keep our eye on him as well. Um, we do have two messages in our black and gold listener hotline uh, that you guys submitted to us. By the way, the number is nine seven eight five zero four. 504 2727 you can give us a call um at day or night anytime uh, you got a hot take you got a question
1: fire it off at us we'll talk about it on the show so what do we have today mark this is chris from LA he's uh, he hasn't called in a while but he's uh he's back and he's got a great question uh with the NHL uh, trade deadline coming up on March 3rd hey guys chris from LA uh, with a david Posternock thought i know he's
2: going to get his money somewhere I just don't know if the Bruins should make him the highest-paid player in the league. I don't know what the number threshold is, but I look at his game, and I see a lot of holes in it for somebody asking for 11, 12, or more uh, a year. And I know Steve hates those, like, no-look, blind passes, and I feel like Pasternak is the worst offender on the whole team for that. I was wondering, what do you think makes him deserve that kind of money, or if you could break down, like, where are the shortcomings in his game that he'd really need to step up if he's going to be a player
1: player paid that much? Thanks, guys. I mean, he's absolutely right. There are some flaws in his game. But, I, you know, I, I always got to go back to nobody's perfect. But he's also doing some really good things. Now, Now, if he was doing bad things and turnovers like like him and Marshan do on the regular, and it is annoying, but those guys seem to turn things around and make real good positive. If you're not doing those two things, you don't pay a player like this. If in, in you have to pay impactful players like this. This is the face of the league and so on. But I'm not going to say that he deserves 13 or 14 million dollars. I'm still I'm still on the on the on the premises of him making 11, 5, 12 at the most. I would love to have it even even lower if Don Sweeney could talk to him. And, you know, this is probably why it's dragging on, because his agent is just no, 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 notorious for, for, um, waiting to the last minute. Um, yeah, I, 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 still say eight for 88, I think would just be the best.
2: And yeah, I think Mark, when it comes to a marketing perspective, he is the face of the team. Um, uh, but I mean, like, like Chris said, there, there are things, I mean, three things really that, that piss me off. Number one, it's the blind passes to nobody. Um, Number two, it is the penalties. And by the way, he has 32 penalty minutes this season, which is uh, he's on pace to have more than he has in his entire career. He had 40 in 2019, 2020 in 70 games. Um, So he's on pace to have more penalty minutes. And again, those are always sticking fractions, slashing, hooking, lazy lazy penalties. And I feel like when you are playing bigger, badder teams like St. Louis – in a playoff series, he disappears. Um, I do think he has a tendency to win the, when the, when it's nut cut in time and it's, there's, there's big, strong, physical, heavy players out there against him. He goes into a little bit of a shell. And um, I found myself in years past in the playoff saying, where's Pasternak? Where is this guy? I don't see him out there. I don't, where, Has he played at all? And you go back and you look, you're like, we played, you know, 18 minutes. Where the hell was he? I didn't see him once. (laughs) Um, So I do think there is that tendency there. Um, How do you replace 79 points in 58 games? That's the question. And, you know, um, I I don't think you can get 40 goal scores growing on trees. I, You know, you want to talk about the future. Maybe Fabian Lysell can score you 40 goals. But guess what? He's not exactly the Incredible Hulk either when it comes to size and physicality. So, um I think he's in a good spot with the line that he's on. However, if, if that check line is in a seven game series against, you know, guys like Matthew Kachuk or Ryan O'Reilly or Patrick Maroon, or they will be neutralized. They will be neutralized. And that, that's something that is concerning as a, as a fan uh, moving towards the playoffs.
1: All right, this next one is from Duncan from Hartford. Uh, great caller. Thank you so much, Duncan. And uh, this is uh, concerning the the recent trades.
2: What's up, guys? It's Duncan from Hartford calling on Thursday night. I know I probably won't be the only caller tonight. Um, my first reaction to this major trade with Orlov and Hathaway is uh, I'm incredibly ecstatic. Um, I'm amazed that we're able to get them at the price that we did, and I'm wondering your guys' take on – uh, how the capitals were okay with that price. Um are they trying to load up and develop before the uh for the post OV era, or did Don Sweeney just uh pull one over on him? Uh so excited to hear your answer guys. Thanks.
1: I think he's absolutely right with the way that Washington viewed this. You know, they the the, 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 the Capitals get three picks. I'm not gonna go over the years again. Everybody pretty much knows by now. But it actually does make sense. You know, Ovi's under contract for, I believe, two more years, maybe three. Um, don't quote me on that one. Or don't hand me me on Twitter when you hear this. <laughs> I'll come but, um, Yeah, I know, right? Steve's got my back. Watch out, mofos. Um, you know, I, it does make sense what Duncan was saying about, you know, post-Ovi and the team. Uh, obviously, the team needs well, – the Washington Capitals desperately need to get younger. They're a good competitive team, but for them to get that much further in, into their like winning classification, I think they're going to have to sprinkle in a lot more younger talent. So this might be a way to, to accelerate that by getting these picks sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, I'm ecstatic too, uh, Duncan. I'm a big fan of, of what Don Sweeney has done lately in his past three years at the trade deadline. Um So, and and this is the, this is the type of move that Steve and I have been talking about. You don't have to go after the big fish and mortgage your future. Um, You know, you go after these small pieces that just fit the puzzle perfectly. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, um, a blockbuster. It's more of a lateral move to get you, um, you know, to the, to the promised land. And I think that we've been saying it for weeks, this is what is needs to be done. And not just one individual that's gonna come in here and make a ton of money and, and possibly not even be here during the offseason. So but these these two are also rentals, if you look at it. They're both on inspiring contracts. That they have not yet said anything about contract negotiations or for further work. They're both 31 years old. I don't know, you know, how the cap's gonna work out later on, but this might be that just that minimal move that puts you over the edge to get your second Stanley cup in what, 12 or 13 years. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, uh, you know, if I'm a Washington fan, I'm a little annoyed. I don't know how much time Ovechkin has left. And I think you, you'd you want to do everything you can to get him one. In fact, if I was Ovechkin, I would say, Hey, can I go play for Minnesota, Colorado? Um, you know, can I go out West and, and, and try to win a cup? Um, but I mean, just looking at the roster, it's either guys that are, that are old, or guys that are just not, you know, not really world beaters. I mean, um, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin, Anthony Mantha, and John Carlson are all on IR, so that's not great. Um, You know, and outside of the Tom Wilsons and and TJ Oshis, you know, it's just kind of, you know, Marcus Johansson and Connor Sheary and Obey Kubel and Lars Eller. It's just, it's not really... It's not really going to get you anywhere. And, you know, I mean, yeah. when you're when you're still playing Matt Irwin, Bruins legend Matt Irwin, when he's still <laughs> out there on defense, like, eesh. Um, so I don't think they're in a – I think they're willing to trade because, like you said, they, they do want some picks. I think they are in the position to now do a little bit of rebuilding. Um, Again, I'm not sure how the finances work, but I assume when you have guys like Mantha and Carlson on IR, you have the cap space to take a guy like Craig Smith. Um, who again I think is a good resource for some of those younger players on that roster, but um, you know, Nick Dowd, Lars Eller, Sonny Milano, uh, those guys just aren't going to get it done, so I think that's why they're able to make a move like that and they don't mind doing it with. I, I'm surprised they did it with, with the Bruins, to be quite frank, but uh, um, yeah. you know, they're in an interesting spot, and to them, I say thank you. For that yes case. exactly thank you, very much. thank
1: you brian mcclellan thank yeah. you bill Garen yeah
2: appreciate <laughs> that but yeah they are in uh yeah they're set third from the bottom in the in the metro they're uh 29 26 and 6 so i mean the record's not terrible but they're they're not they're not heading in the right direction for the right
1: looking at the season so all right Um, Why don't we wrap this up, Steve, and talk about our Patreon campaign. We do have a a campaign that's going on, and it only costs our viewers and listeners $1 per episode. We do about four episodes to six, so it's a small investment every month. But it gives you an opportunity to win fantastic hand-signed prizes by the Boston Bruins current players and the Boston Bruins alumni. And um, we have given one away today. We are giving away the... Um, Rick Middleton hand-signed jersey. I took a picture of it right here. You get to see that beautiful nifty on the bottom, fully authenticated from Boston Sports and Music memorabilia, and our favorite person, Bruce Sullivan. So this uh, jersey is going to Patreon supporter Fred Palmer. Fred, thank you very much for your contributions. We truly appreciate the uh, financial support and... um you know, please go to Patreon.com/slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate that one dollar. We'd certainly appreciate it. It helps us. Uh, half of that dollar pays the the bills here at the Sports Media Company, and the other half turns into uh, more prizes uh, to buy. So the next the next couple of months coming up are going to be a, uh, a Sean Thornton hand signed jersey and an Adam McQuaid hand signed jersey, and um, we might even go back into getting another Ray Bork. Uh, hand signed jersey. I'm not sure about that, but um we got tons of stuff to give away, but we just it's our way to say thank you for your contributions, you know. We just don't want to take your money and and run, we want to give back to those um who uh financially support us. So, thank you very much for everybody and always a pleasure. Congratulations, Congratulations Mr. Palmer. Yeah. All. He lives out in the Springfield area as well, so I met I met him at the Providence Bruins game on um friday night in uh in providence when i was down there last weekend and i met his uh i think his his girlfriend or his wife sue um a very nice lady from idaho um which was kind of cool to talk about and um yeah they're just a great great couple and uh, i appreciate them so can't wait to hang out i'm going out to springfield sometime soon so i'm gonna have to bump into my boy steve i'm thinking about doing i'm thinking about going to uh the the, uh, the Thunderbirds game and doing the old truffle shuffle behind him, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get you in the penalty box
2: and then we'll just throw away the key. Um, but um, that will be great. Yeah. Keep me posted on that. And uh, we will do too. appreciate everyone's Patreon support uh, for us here as well. And uh, one more, just again, quick reminder, congratulations to Gail, who is now moving yes. on to Nesson. And um, that does open up more roster spots. Uh, for you guys out there, if you want to be contributors, podcasting, writing, um, anything that you uh, media related that you can provide or you've always wanted to provide. Does your job suck that you currently work at? Um, start writing. You never know where it's going to get you. Um, yep. That's that's how I got into this industry at the age of 25. Just had shitty jobs. And, uh, and now I'm at 36. And I'm in a great spot. So feel free to reach out to Mark with with anything if you don't know where to start. Reach out to me. Reach out to Mark. We're happy to help you um, get you started and 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 or get you your career continued like Gail's was. Um, can you help get, get you continued in the world of media. We'd be happy to have you. So uh, feel free to reach out anytime.
1: This is a fun one, Steve. I really appreciate the time, man. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot. There's a lot on the agenda, and, and I'm so happy for the phone calls. Definitely, please get more involved in those. Uh, 978-504-2727. 978-504-2727. Send us a hashtag #AskBNG. Um, you know, next time, next week, before we record next time, if you don't want to do the audio calls, there's uh, there's plenty of ways to send us questions and and get your 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 thoughts. Um, you know, online here because um, you know we are Boston Bruins fans, but we do this for Boston Bruins fans. So yep, be a Boston Bruins fan and do what Boston Bruins fans do. Good luck to the Providence Bruins today. Good luck to the Springfield Thunderbirds
2: today. Let's. Get a couple wins Absolutely. and, uh, and until then we will, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. And, uh, again, appreciate everyone making a part of part, making us a part of your day. Um, so we look forward to doing it again next week.
1: Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the black and gold hockey podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Pod at BNG Productions, at BlackandGold277, and and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official BlackandGoldHockey.com website, where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out!